you, and we are grateful that you are our provider. The Lord provides. We have breath in our lungs this morning. We're able to get up out of bed this morning, make our way here to gather with brothers and sisters in the faith and, and people who are seeking and have questions about Christianity, to gather together here and to, to think it all through together, to, to ponder your goodness and your greatness. You've given us brains to, to think about you, minds to consider uh, who you are and the, and the wonder of your creation and what you're doing in this world. You've given us a community here. You've given us relationships to nourish us and, and carry us along to inspire us and encourage us to be there when we're struggling and to celebrate with us when things are going well. You've provided food for our bellies. You've provided uh, things for us to do in our days, ways to fill our time. And, of course, most of all, you've provided for us that, that ram in the thicket, really, Jesus Christ, who... Uh, when we had gone astray from you, brought us back to you in his life, death, and resurrection. And so this morning, we give you the praise for your great provision. We love you, and we're grateful that we can be in your presence. We're grateful that we can serve you. We can honor your name, and we thank you this morning for your great provision. We know, too, some of us here this morning uh, can't see your provision at the moment. That's kind of how this world works sometimes is there's areas in our lives where we feel that deep longing and need for a particular provision, uh, something that we're lacking, something we're without, and we can't see your provision yet this morning. And so we come in here broken and hurting and, and maybe suffering and, and longing and longing for you to, to bring uh, that which we need. Uh, but we know uh, also that you have promised us You've promised us that all of our needs will ultimately be taken care of. And so this morning as we gather, we rest in that truth and the promises, the promise to, to not be anxious about our lives because you are going to provide for us each and every moment, each and every day, that which we need, which may be different than what we expect or think we need, but we can trust you. Not, not, not so much in the answers all the time, but in the answerer, and you are that answerer. You've asked us and called us to not be anxious, but in everything by prayer and petition to bring, present our request, request to you, and that you will be faithful, you will hear our prayers, and you will act, and you will move in our lives in the way that you deem best as our loving, capable, powerful Father. And so we're reminded of that this morning. We're reminded this morning, too, that uh, there are those outside of this room who are in desperate need for, for your provision in their lives. Whether that be from a hearing of the gospel, maybe for the first time, we know in this place there are many who have not heard a clear presentation of the good news of Jesus Christ. And so there's that need. And we're mindful of those people. We're mindful of people who are in broken relationships, perhaps a coworker or a friend or a neighbor um, suffering in some sort of strain or struggle relationally. We're reminded of uh, the people in our area who, who don't have a roof over their head. Uh, who need a place to live, who need food in their bellies. And we know that you've placed a call on this community to be uh, the hands and feet of your provision oftentimes. And so we ask that you would make us, that you would empower us and strengthen us to be the, the, the carriers of your gospel message and the ones who are willing to sacrifice and to serve and to love the people around us who are in need. We know we can't do that in our own strength. We're weak. But we do know that with the filling of the Holy Spirit and the empowerment of our Maker, we can 
do things that we didn't expect we could do. And so we set out in faith to let you use us as a community to be the extension of your provision in this community. Lord, we thank you too this morning that you have provided for this congregation a new worship leader. We thank you for Miguel. Thank you for his presence in our midst. Thank you for leading us today. Uh, We thank you uh, over the months and months of searching. You have drawn us towards, you've drawn the search team towards somebody whose heart is for you, who's been gifted in this area, and who can lead us as we pray to a new level of worship that we might be gathered together week after week and worship you in spirit and truth in such a way that you are more and more honored and glorified by our lives and by our our thoughts and by the way we sing and how we bring you glory uh, in our weak and fragile selves. And we thank you for your provision in bringing Miguel. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to do something a little bit different today. I'm going to invite Miguel uh, to come forward, and we're going to share just kind of an interview today a little bit so you can get to know him and uh, a little bit of the vision for worship. We've had a great week getting to know Miguel a little bit more. Hello. How's everybody doing? Okay. Grace and peace, right? That's what we say. I'm, I'm not used to the liturgical style churches, but uh, this is pseudo, not really fully, yeah. but. Right. Well, we're still working that out. I think. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Here to help us. <laughs> uh, good. Um, well, praise God. We're so glad that you're here, Miguel. And we've just had a great time in the office. We got a desk set up for him. Miguel's going to be worship leader, uh, working 20 hours a week. So it's going to be a little bit more than our previous worship leader. So you can expect to see a little bit more. Uh, uh, work in this area and just development, uh, developing teams and stuff. I know you're going to talk about that that more, but I um, thought we would uh, take a little bit of time, kind of like we've been doing with testimonies, to get to know Miguel so that uh, this guy standing up here is not just an unknown quantity to you, but you have a sense of his heartbeat and what God has been doing in his life as he leads us in worship. So I thought I would start with something really simple, you know, just to kind of warm you up just right out of the gate. Um, you know, just tell us, why don't you just share us, what's the worst decision you ever made in your life? Right? No. We were joking about that in the, in the office. <laughs> to come here, right? Now you're thinking question. to come here. No, okay. Um, uh, I, yeah, I'm not going to ask you. What's your favorite color? How's that one? Is that a little easier to warm up with? Uh, that's, that one's tough. But I like eggplant. Okay. You know, that kind of... No idea what that is, but... Royal really nice color. purple. I th- oh, oh, that's his eggplant? I think, yeah. Wow. That's kinda, that's wow. Kinda, so I wore it for eggplant. you today. Yeah. Just in your honor. <laughs> Okay, um, let, why don't you tell us a little bit of your faith story, kind of how God's worked in your life to bring you to himself. I mean, wh- mo- more important than anything is you love the Lord, and that's, I mean, worship leading, gifts, and all that's great, but we start at the most important place. How has God worked in your life? Yeah, well, uh, I would say I wanted to point to two really key uh, times in my life. Um, the first one, for some context, is I grew up in a Christian home. Um, you know, we, ended, we went to church all the time. Uh, we did the Sunday morning thing. My parents prayed with me at night, you know, and, and lived in that context. But for whatever reason, I, uh, I knew the right things to say, knew the right things to do, but I just didn't really do them. Um, so I kind of had this duality of living, you know, uh, church on Sunday, but living this life that was just kind of, um, I call it the Christian atheist. You know, I, I claim that I'm a Christian, but the way that I live my life is not really reflect that, that I'm a Christian. So, um, 
So uh, I just made a practice and habit out of sinning. Um, uh, I, I really got into that in, uh, in the, my early years of college when, um, you know, started sleeping with my girlfriend and I found my identity and, and my self-esteem wrapped up in that relationship because I was kind of chubby back then and, I mean, I still got a little bit of chub, a little, a little bit of love, but, <laughs> but, uh, but back then it was, uh, there was more to love, so, um, <laughs> so, uh, so it was, for me, it was, wow, like, you know, this really cute girl is, in, you know, she likes me and, and then when things got really physical, um, it was just a manifestation of uh, the fact that emotionally and uh, spiritually, we didn't really have much basis. So obviously physically, like, that's what we made up for, for all these things, but it was masking all that. Um, but then I got broken up with, and I just felt ripped apart, um, felt like, uh, you know, in Genesis when it describes the two flesh becoming one, I felt the pain of my heart being torn um, and uh, up to that point, my, my life choices had just ended up in pain and suffering. And so one night, I, was, I remember driving in my car, and uh, you guys may have heard the song by Hillsong, but uh, it's called From the Inside Out, particularly the, it says, in my heart, in my soul, God, I give you control. Consume me from the inside out. And so that was the first time that I think I really prayed, Lord, have control of my life. Have, have you know, reign in, in me. And uh, that was a, a game changer for me. Um, and then God started blessing me uh, at church. He gave me responsibilities. He started um, really giving me some, some shepherding and skills and, and, and leading music and that sort of thing. And then uh, another key moment in my life, I want to fast forward to uh, this last year. It was really tough. Um, church was kind of the church that I grew up, with, grew up at. Um, I love this church, but the best way I could describe it was um, tradition without conviction. You know, a church is stuck in its ways, not really knowing what it was doing. And um, so eventually I, I quit that, and I was just really wrestling with what to do in my life. Should I continue vocational ministry, professional ministry, or um, do I just ditch it all together? And uh, I moved to Orange County for a little bit, started atten attending this really healthy church called Mars Hill, um, Orange County. And um, that was a time of reflection for me. And, uh, and throughout that time, one of the things that kept popping up is my identity in Christ and what that meant. And uh, also, my calling was really made clear. I went on this retreat and led, led music um, with these, this group of men. And when we first got there, it was, it was very, you know, they were kind of, it, they were saying the music's too loud, blah, blah, blah. But then by the end, they were singing the songs and, like, patting me on the back. And so I just felt like God was really assuring me. He's saying, hey, you know, you can do this, and, and it's okay. And so I felt like two things happened in 2012. Uh, I, I got to witness a really healthy place, really healthy church, and see what the, ch the, the body is, can do, the, the body of Christ. And I felt like God assured my calling, and, and here we are um, next to Eggplant McGee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, praise God. I mean, yeah. So those again, are, yeah, two key moments, I guess. Yeah, first and foremost. I mean, that's what, you know, the first thing I asked you in the interview that we had, the first interview was, I just need to hear your story, your testimony, because that's really where it all flows from, is, is God's grace invading our lives, and, and, and it's obvious that that's happened, and it's obvious that you're walking by grace and, and not by the flesh, and, and that's a wonderful thing. We get to see that, and I feel a little guilty in the office. I mean, hanging out with Andrew and Brent and Jim and now Miguel, and um, just it's so wonderful to have this uh, atmosphere that's constantly pointing back to Christ and and you bring that, and I'm just so thankful, and I praise God for what he's done in your life. It's really, really beautiful and amazing, so thank you for that. Um, now, let's talk a little bit about worship. What, what do you, you know, what is worship as you understand it? 
Yeah, worship, um, as I understand it, is, uh, is living out who we are in Christ. Um, worship, I'll say that again, because to me, worship is living out who we are in Jesus Christ. And the passage that I always go back to is First um, Peter which we actually read this morning. So Yeah, and, and I think we should look at it again. So yeah. uh, we would actually like to pass out Bibles. If anybody uh, would need a Bible, just raise your hand. And if, if you have a Bible, open up to 1 Peter 2. Uh, we're going to spend a few moments in, in this passage together. So 1 Peter 2, starting in verse 9. And it's on page 873 in the Bible that we hand out there. 873. Great, 1 Peter 2. And I'm going to go there too. Let's do it. Um, we could say amen once we got it. Amen. <laughs> or not. <laughs> okay. So First Peter 2, uh, 9 through 10. Um, it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And uh, the, the context for this is um, Peter, the apostle, he's writing to Gentiles who've been scattered. Um, he calls them the elect exiles. They've been scattered, driven out by persecution. Um, most likely, they, they're, they're probably struggling with their identity, with their faith, with, uh, with, um, with doubt as well. Um, you know, it did, is, is really, is Jesus and what he did is really true. I'm, I'm getting persecuted, you know, and, uh, I could relate a lot to this because of my own suffering, um, in, in, in some of the, the church that I grew up in, that tradition and not conviction kind of context. Did you want to say something? No. no. I saw you reaching for the mic. No. So, um, yeah, for me, worship is living out who we are in Jesus Christ. And so um, let's, let's look at that text again. I want to kind of zone in on one part, which says, uh, verse 9 says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. And I want to focus on royal priesthood. Um, if, if you spend any chance to talk with me, you'll notice I have a tattoo that says kingdom on my arm. And I'm just, the kingdom for some reason just makes me so excited. So um, I don't know about you guys, but have you ever thought of yourselves of, of being priests and kings and queens of Christ? Um, that's, that's a really big, you know, title that we're given. But this title is also not new in the Bible. All throughout the Bible, it talks about it. In Genesis 1, um, verse 28, we are told that man is given dominion and, and authority over all of God's creation. So Adam and Eve are, are the, king, the first king and queen over God's creation. And uh, in Genesis 17, after the fall, we know things get broken, but eventually God continues his plan through a man named Abram, and he changes his name, which is a sign of, of a covenant, and he says, out of you, a nation, and king, a nation of kings will come from you. And uh, this is establishing this royal priesthood. And uh, God continues this plan in um, Exodus, out of, after he calls the, the Israelites out of slavery through Moses, he says, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And um, eventually there's this guy named Jesus. You might have heard of him. He comes on the scene, and he's a king and a priest as well. And, and the thing is, upon his death, his resurrection, and our adoption as sons, 
We follow Christ's lineage, and he establishes us as a royal priesthood. Uh, even at the very end of the Bible, if you turn Revelation 1, you don't have to turn there. Um, but but God, uh, John gives praise to God. Um, he says, to him, to Jesus, who loved us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, made us a kingdom, priests to God his Father, and to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So it's this theme that goes throughout the entire Bible. And when I had finally realized, you know, the, my identity in Christ, um, I, I realized that, that my life and every moment is an aspect of worship. Um, and so I started to ask myself, you know, so if, I, if I'm a king, what does my sphere of influence and domain say about my kingship? You know, am I reflecting order? Am I reflecting the wisdom of a king? Am I, am I in my decision-making? Um, do I have a king's heart for justice, um, for those who are oppressed, that sort of thing? Or does it reflect chaos and selfishness? Um, and then I started asking myself, what about a priesthood? What, what does my life say about my priesthood? And um, you know, do I have a heart for the broken? Do I have, um, am, am I playing a role in the temple of God? And we as Christians are the temple of God. Those who are in Christ are God's temple. So how am I uh, priesting to God's temple? Um, am I a living sacrifice? That's another term that the Bible uses. Putting the will of Christ and others above my own. Um, and so, so some of these questions ended up um, changing everything about the way I thought. Um, it's like my whole life, uh, I thought it was Clark Kent, and then God comes and he's like, hey, you're actually Superman, dude. And I'm like, what? I had all these things, you know. That's a horrible example, but I finally took off the glasses, you know, kind of thing. But, um, but you, you get the point, kind of. Um, so. So, how, so then that's about your identity and getting that rooted in Christ, which is, we've talked about that too as, as a church, and, and I think we have to keep circling back to that, and baptism circles back to that. You know, a lot of times when we're preaching, when our home groups, we're constantly reminding each other, this is who you are now. You don't have to try anything or do anything to become that. Christ has done it all, and it's who you are. It's your new identity. And then change comes in our lives because as we accept who we really are, then we start to live differently. And, and one big piece of that is worship. So how does, how does worship tie into this new identity? Yeah, well, let's, uh, let's take it back to the, the, the text here. Let's go back to 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. It says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. And it says, That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And, and uh, I looked up Webster's definition of proclaim, and it's so cool. It says, To declare publicly, typically insistently, proudly defiant, either in speech or writing, or to announce, um, to give an outward, outward indication of, to show, to praise or glorify openly. And uh, so our identity leads us to worship. And, and why? Why is that so important? Well, it's because of the gospel. And, and the, the thing is, our identity before Christ, we know that the Bible describes us as, as enemies, that we were dead, we were in darkness, we were ignorant, we were under God's wrath. We were depraved, blind, short-sighted, wicked, immoral, idolaters, fornicators, thieves, drunkards, abusive, fools, slaves. You kind of get it. <laughs> and, uh, and in Christ, by him taking our penalty of sin, which was death, 
And by his blood, we were made clean of all unrighteousness. And so what happens is now our identity, God calls us, we are chosen. We are royal. We are ambassadors. We are priests and ministers. We're daughters and sons, heirs, friends, holy, hidden, citizens of heaven, sons of light, sons of the day, salt of the earth, the light of the world, God's temple. Um, we are a people belonging to God. And so, yeah, that, that, that to me... If we lose sight of our identity, we'll find it in other things. It's so easy for us to, to, to identify ourselves with, well, I am a musician. I'm a pastor. I'm a, a good-looking single man. I'm a, a, a mother, a husband. You know, I'm a wife, um, a student, you know. We can identify ourselves through all these other things, but primarily our identity is in Christ. And out of that, we, sh- we, we that, that proclaim the excellencies out of, of him who called us out of darkness. We once were in darkness, but now we're in light. So that's the worship aspect of that. Amen. That is so important. And, and I love how, um, you know, worship is a way to reinforce that truth about who we really are. It's, it's, it's almost like we, we have a hard time believing it and accepting it. And it's the regularity of it that, that really helps to drive that home. Now, we do this thing where every Sunday at 1015 we gather together uh, to, to, to sing and to hear the word and to pray and to be prayed for, to share in communion. Um, and we, we call it, you know, worship. Uh, it's corporate worship. How does corporate worship fit into this larger conception of worship that you've been talking about? Yeah. Well, uh, once again, let's return to the text. I think it's pretty, it's cool because, uh, you know, verse 9, once again, let's read it. It says, but you are a chosen race. How about let's all read it together. Let's do that. But you are a chosen chosen race, race. a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you had received mercy. Now, these words, they are not individualized. So when, 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 when uh, the Apostle Peter is writing this, he's talking about communal living. He's saying a people. And in America, we really value individualism, but a God values relationship and community just as much. Um, and the truth is, if you see this, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, it's not just one person. It's a body of believers. And... Um, so being, being a priesthood means that, that ministry, this is really important, is not left to the professionals because the danger is that, oh, yeah, they've got a staff and they, they've got pastors, and so I, I'm not really going to be a minister. But uh, if those, those who are in Christ are called ministers, they're called priests. And, and uh, so that means that when we gather, um, you know, we, there's this collective of priests, and we should be ministering to one another. Um, and and uh, I don't know if if this, you, you know, you individually have have you ever thought of yourself in this way, that when you come together, um, it's that you are a priest, a royal priest, and then together there's that corporate aspect. So the individual agenda flows into this corporate agenda, and uh, we're supposed to be laying down our lives for one another. And, and corporately, I think what, what ends up happening is we, we, we are supposed to be reminding ourselves of what Christ has done for us. 
who God is, um, who Christ is as king, and who we are now in him. And corporately, we're supposed to be reminding each other, stirring each other up to that, and, and just saying, hey, man, you know, you once were in darkness, but now you're in light. And uh, so I think that the power of the body together, working and moving together, I wrote this little thing. It says, one voice can shake an eardrum, but 300 can shake a city. Um, so I think that corporate worship kind of transforms society. It, 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 can, it, can, um, it can meet the needs of a, a lot of people within our body and also outside of, of these walls of, of this, this building and, and transform community. And so uh, we come to glorify God. But it's also way more than just the Sunday morning thing. Sunday morning just end up, ends up being like a, this reminder of, of who God is and, and, and the praise of him. And, and so I'm going to go off script a little bit here mm -hmm. um, just to ask you something that's kind of coming to my mind. is that When you're worshiping, you know, just tell us what's going on in your heart and what are you thinking about, whether it be you're, you're, you're in the congregation or if you're leading worship, you know, what, what, are, you, yeah. what are you processing, thinking about, you know? Yeah, no, that's really good. I think, um, and one thing I've learned these last two weeks uh, is just, I, I know I'm a new creation, but there's a lot of remnant of sin still in my life. And man, I, the, the, I feel like God is pursuing me despite of myself, you know, and, and um, you know, whether they're thoughts or habits, um, you know, I, I sense that that God loves me and he knows me. And if I just confess these things to him, this is just my process in the last couple of weeks. I'm confessing these things to him and, and he just, he's like, yeah, man, I know. And I still love you. And so when I get here on Sunday morning, uh, well, I'm thinking, you know, music, I'm thinking, you know, logistics and that sort of thing. But at the core, I, I just want to let people know of the grace that God has given me and I want them to, to be as satisfied and, and, you know, on fire as, as I, I feel like he's made me. And, um, yeah, that's kind of a, a long answer. but No, that's great. Um, and, and so another one. Uh, have there been times in your life, life where you've just, you've kind of been in a worship, corporate worship setting, and you felt like, wow, this is it. This is, this is how it's supposed to be. Or you catch a glimpse, glimpse of heaven, maybe, in a sense. Tell us about any of those times. Yeah, yeah well, I... I um, there's something really beautiful about, and I really saw this at, at Mars Hill, and I, I, I catch a little bit of it here too, but um, there's something wonderful when you get like 100, 200 people, even 300, who are all like-minded, and they, they, all, they all realize, man, this last week, you know, I did these things, or, or, or God responded or acted this way. We're all in this story and, and together, you know? And, and the fact is that when we all gather, I... I um, and there's, you know, 200 voices just singing out, my God, how great thou art. It's, it's something very, very heavenly, and it's a picture of, of what, in Revelation, we're describing people from all different tribes and tongues and nations singing praises to God who's, who's done amazing things in their lives, who, who gave them eternal life. Who, and so it's just, uh, I, I can't describe it. It's just, um, it's glorious, you know? Yeah. yeah. Something cool happened this, this past week. Um, we had a gathering of the pastors in our district in this area. Um, so we have the Northern California district, and then we have a sub-region. And so we gathered this week, and Miguel was able to be there. And, and we started to worship, and, and Miguel just immediately stood up. 
and probably about 15 pastors in this room, and we all sort of, you know, felt like, oh, the new guy trying to make us look bad, right? So we'll all stand up too. No, <laughs> we all stood up, and, and something did happen, though. We started to sing, and there were like 15 people in the room, and I couldn't hear my voice. Yeah. It was so loud. Mm-hmm. And people were just, just from the bottom of their souls singing out, and I, I was just so moved by that. Uh, it was beautiful, and then yeah. harmonies going. It was amazing. It was like twelve-part harmony. <laughs> it was like going, going on. But but you know uh, that's a really good point because um, it, I guess we're going off top of the script here. But this is good. I think I think God's spirit is kind of taking us. But you know something as simple as our physical expression is so important. Like in that room, we're singing about God's power and His love and His majesty, His holiness, and if we're just kind of slouched in the in that you know couch. It, your diaphragm, even itself, like, you can't even allow enough air to push through. And, and not that we have to look a specific way when we sing, but I think, you know, there's something about when we sing together, our bodies are engaged too. It, it's, an act, it's, a, it's an act of worship as well. You know, we don't want to give our, 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 our last fruits to God, our leftovers. We want to give them the best. And yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. And we, we, before you came, we did a series on worship a while back, and we were encouraging all of you, I mean, some of you are really gifted singers, and you can sing harmony, and you can sing out, and I think sometimes you want to pull back because you don't want to, you don't want to be let prideful rip, or arrogant. Let it rip. Yeah, <laughs> let it rip, huh? Because that's, that's just, if God has gifted you that way, and if God has gifted you where you can't sing on key, let it rip. It's because a joyful noise. It's a yeah. joyful noise. We don't care. Yeah. Because it's, it's more about what's in the heart yeah. than what's necessarily coming out. Right, yeah, and I think that, that to me, when I hear these people, one of the, the most amazing experiences I had, we had the, with, went to this worship conference in Saddleback Church down, uh, down south, and, and it was all worship people, you know, worship staff, music guys, and man, it, when, when we sang, there was, you know, these harmonies going on, there's the, you know, it was, it was indescribable. Glimpse yeah, of heaven. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. Yeah. That's great. Um, well, okay, so let's, let's move on then to talk a little bit more specifically about the vision for Solano Community Church as, as you know, corporate worship. How, what is that? What are you envisioning? Yeah, well, I think I kind of alluded to it, but this being a, a reminder of, of what, who we are, what we're doing, the God that we're worshiping, what he's done for us, you know, his greatness. So Sunday morning is going to be this, this reminder and it, because we're so fickle as humans and, and as... Uh, we, we forget. We just place our identity in other things. And um, so, so I want us to, the, the Bible calls us to have zeal, passion, fervor. And I don't, I don't want this zeal to be this, this fanatical emotion, you know, uh, emotion, emotional experience that, that is not rooted in truth and genu- a genuine heart. Um, I, I, I want us to be zealous. Uh, and I want that zeal to break through to, to the East Bay, to, to uh, Albany and, and, um, and Berkeley and El Cerrito and, and some of these other cities that I'm still learning, you know. Um, but the East Bay, yeah. And um, so that's, that's one thing, just coming and, and reminding each other and, and feeling that fire almost and, and creating this momentum. Um, I think uh, another thing that, that we've, as a, as a core conviction of, of we talked about it, we want to always return to the Word of God and have His revelation be given to us. And so um, we've kind of diagrammed our, our service into three big chunks. And the first one we call it praise. And I was thinking, 
um, in that section, we're, kind of, we're retelling the story of, of, of God's mercy toward us. We're retelling. So when, when we sing, you know, Jesus paid it all, we're, we're, in, 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 uh, we're just recounting it. We're, we're replaying it, and, and we should be stirred. And then uh, in the middle section, we kind of have the word, so we open up to Bible and have God reveal himself to us. And then uh, we hear his voice in that moment, and, and we want to move to this uh, final section where we respond to that. And so um, I just wrote down a couple of things that, um, like, when after we, we're reflecting on the Lord's Supper, you know, maybe in this response time, maybe there's amends that need to be made with certain people, maybe even within these walls or family members or friends, you know. Um, maybe in that response time, you're praising God for the mercy that you've seen this week, for the grace that you've seen in him, um, you know, uh, maybe in this response time, you've just been uh, arrogant, and you need to repent and turn back to Christ and walk toward him. Uh, maybe in this response time, we need to pray for each other. Uh, last week, I, there was this guy, and I just we, I asked him, hey, man, you're doing all right? Let's pray together. And uh, maybe during this response time, we need to be generous and, and see if there's any needs between each of us. You know, however God moves and stirs in that moment, um, that's what we want to kind of go and be mobile and not be not a church of tradition, but a church of conviction, you know? Let me just jump in on that one. Yeah. Uh, the, it, it, and it's rooted in the idea that when the church is gathered together, the Holy Spirit is at work and moving, and we should expect that. And so we may uh, be encouraged to grow in a particular way or bless somebody else. Or, and I think coming in with that sense of expect, expectation uh, is really key to that. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, just being being sensitive to how, you know, how, how God's Spirit moves. And I think sometimes we're afraid, you know. I, I know I'm sometimes, when, when I hear these, you know, I, I think it's God telling me, hey, just ask this guy what's up, or ask him, to, you know, the, if you, he needs some prayer. You know, sometimes I, f- I fear man, and I, I fear man, this guy's going to look like an idiot. He wants to pray for me, you know. But when when we're firmly rooted in Christ, we have nothing to fear, you know, we... There's no fears at all, and so, yeah, that's. that's so, what what else are you thinking in terms of vision? For- yeah, um, so I know I noticed that Solano has an awesome thing uh, rooted in discipleship. They, they one of their core convictions is discipleship, and so um, God's kind of one put on our 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 oh yeah yeah our sorry I'm still getting used to it, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I, for whatever reason, God had kind of already stirred in my heart to multiply worship leaders and worship people um, and disciple them too. And so I love that, that we, Solano, are discipling people already. We're doing the Gospel Academy. We're, um, you know, we got some, some interns. And so there's this sense that God is on the move, that he's working. And, and so what I want to do is kind of build an infrastructure of worship leaders who, who I can pour into, they can pour into, um, their, their musicians, their band, that sort of thing, and just start to build this infrastructure where if God says, hey, there's this, I'm, I'm blessed the East Bay with 10 churches. Are you guys ready? Boom. Like, you know, like, we got a worship leader here. Yeah, he's, he loves this area. He actually lives closer there, or she, you know, serves there, you know, and so we want to we wanna build that up and um, have this discipling culture of worship. I was back um, just about three weeks ago. I was back in Chicago, and we had uh, just a bunch of people from around the, the country that part of the Evangelical Free Church, which is what we're part of. And we spent a long time talking about the, the vision for the denomination and how we would do more church planting 
and, and just sort of increase our church planting capacity. And what we really came down to was this idea, it's not really even about church planting ultimately, it's about multiplication. And when multiplication starts to take place on every level in, within the church, then the natural result of that will be more churches because you will have multiple worship leaders. You will have multiple home group leaders. You will have multiple preachers. You have multiple uh, every, every part of the church and, and just the natural out, outgrowth of that. So I think sometimes we can, we can think really big as, oh, let's go plant a church. Well, let's think smaller. Uh, let's think multiply whatever I'm doing right now. Let's multiply that and then let God shape the next step. Right. Yeah, and I don't think I, I, I it's just recently that, I, that God's kind of been showing me, you know, being a leader means discipling people. Because for, for a long time, I thought, you know, being the music guy means you're the one who gets up there every week, and you're doing all the, you know, the creative grunt work, you know. But, but God, Jesus and his, and, and his call is to disciple people. And so, yeah, I think that um, building from within... Uh, and then just seeing however God moves those pieces, I mean, that, that's up to him and his timing and his, yeah. Yeah, and I think that was one of the things in our discussions that really, we were really excited about you, Miguel, was the, you, you love worship, but you almost see worship as part of the discipleship process. And so there's this this kind of larger thing of, of, of and worship is the largest thing too, so it, it gets confusing, you know, but but just to see worship in in that light as, as an opportunity for discipleship is, is so great. It's not just about getting up here and having a nice set that says sounds good, um, you know, which you can do, but it's, it's at the service of something greater and more profound. Anything else you're thinking about in terms of vision for this? Yeah, um, we talked a, a little bit about uh, having this culture of praise. And so, you know, within this infrastructure that you say we get eventually a couple really talented um, worship leaders, guy, girl, um, eventually, if, the, if things creatively start flowing, then starting, starting to record some things and, and start polishing that, and then dispersing that to the congregation, to each of you, and, and that way, throughout the week, you can kind of be playing these tunes, and, and, you're, and you're, you're telling people, hey, yeah, this is from Solano Community Church, this is, these are people that I know who are, who are ministering at my church, and I think it's further down the line, because there's a couple steps that we need to get there, but uh, I think that would be really awesome, and, and just to build this interwoven culture of praise, you know, and, and yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about that, and, and the idea of, I know sometimes people have asked us, could I have a copy of the music that we're doing, and, you know, if we were able to get to that place, we're making that available, and we're listening to it during the week, you know, then when we come in on Sunday, it's almost like we've rehearsed for, yeah. for worship, and we're going to yeah. really sing together and, yeah. and, and, and blast. You, you'll have all those harmonies polished by then. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I, yeah, if, if we ever get there and I hear some, some bad notes, then you're out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, not completely. <laughs> Joking, yeah. Um, um, yeah, that pretty much puts a squash on the worship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everything we talked about is yeah, right. debunked. just undid it all. <laughs> um, okay, that's, that's great. So... Um, you know, I, Miguel is available if you have comments and, and questions. I also want to say that it's hard to be a worship leader. There are very few places within the community of faith where there are more opinions than in how worship is done. And so uh, be sensitive to that reality and uh, love the guy, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, what, what, what my encouragement always to him is, you know, yeah, listen to what I say, listen to what other people say. Um, but at the end of the day, you go into your prayer closet and you meet with the Lord and read your scripture and come out and lead us in worship. That's, that's the key.
So yeah, and just one. Yeah. If I could just jump. And I think one thing about um, that aspect of the opinions floating around, because there are a lot, and I just want to, I think Pastor Hoffman and I, we want to we be intentional and, and do things intentionally and, and have certain structures and things in that, that culture of intentionality. Otherwise, we're just going to shoot a lot of different targets. So, you know, um, yeah, if we, if we err on the side of, well, I don't like these songs, they're too wordy. Well, we're like, well, let's look at it. Is the, is, the, is the theology very rich in the songs? You know, do they have a little more substance? So we're going to err on that. We're going to make just choices that are intentional. And, and some of those opinions, when we push them back to these intentional kind of structures, we'll say this is the reason why we're doing these things. And we feel like God, and this will disciple people better, and God is better glorified through these things. Or, just, yeah, you know, that's great. And I want to invite us as a community to kind of come underneath this vision and empower it and encourage it and strengthen it, not so that Mikhail can feel good when he's leading worship, although we want that, but so that God will be glorified. Uh, that's what we're ultimately getting to. And so what are some ways that you all, that I can uh, come underneath this vision and really give it wings and, and, and blow it uh, forward? And I think some, some real key things, and we talked about this a little bit uh, a few months back, just in terms of the vision for worship for Solomon Community Church, uh, one of them is live your life with Jesus on a daily basis. If you're walking with the Lord, then when you come into worship, it's not like you're meeting a stranger. So live prayerfully. Live, you know, de- in dependency upon God. And when you come in here, I mean, last week, I think it was last week, I was a heap of tears in the front because I had experienced some stuff during the week that um, I was struggling with. And, and bringing that into worship, it was amazing. God did a change in my heart uh, while I was singing. And it was, it, was, it was, you know, I think part of just, just like living life with the Lord. So that's a, that's a first one. Um, I think uh, another one plays into this is coming in with humility, uh, a, a willingness to submit to Christ and his leading in our lives. That's really important for us to work. Worship is an act of submission. And so we, we come and we want to submit um, before the Lord. Um, <clears throat> I think coming on with, I've talked about this already a little bit, with a sense of expectation. And really the key, the biblical term behind that is, is faith, is we believe that God is alive. He rose from the dead and he's at work in the world. And so when we come gathered as the, as the community of faith, God might do something. And to walk into this place with a sense of expectation will, I think, in my mind, honor God and also make us remain open to the fact that God might do something. He might speak to us uh, in a song. He might speak to us in the the sermon. He might speak to us afterwards or have somebody pray for us. Um, And so walking in with that sense of expectation is really important. And then we talked a little bit in our, our, our worship series about response. Worship is a response to God. And there's a, there's a measure of enthusiasm that goes along with the response to God. And so um, we've talked about this before, but this idea that you know, some, some of us are not real enthusiastic about much of anything in life. And, and that's just kind of how God's wired us. And, and that's okay. That's fine. And we shouldn't ever be faking it when we're in worship, you know, stirring up emotions that aren't there or, or somehow trying to be something that we're not. But at the same time, I know if I were to come in on some of you when you're watching the Super Bowl, um, you would be just yelling and screaming at the TV, and if your team scored, you know, you'd be jumping up and down, woo and, and And there's, there is an inconsistency there if, we're, if that's who we are as people, but then when we come into worship, we don't have any of that same enthusiasm. That means we're not appreciating 
quite the, the splendor and the wonder and the glory of God. And so maybe we can pray about how to get a deeper appreciation. Because, boy, if we really understand what God's doing in this world, in our lives, man, we'd be jumping up and down and with enthusiasm and excitement. And so um, I leave that to work it out. You know, we're not going to be the enthusiasm police or anything like that, but I just leave that to work it out through your soul. Um, are you connecting with the greatness and the splendor of God? And then lastly... I was just going to say, man, I think if we knew what God was doing, we'd f all fall on our faces. Well, that's like, true. We'd be just blown away by yeah. his holiness. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that was what got me last week as we started singing Holy, 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 or whatever that song was. And I just, <laughs> man, I was a heap. Um, and then lastly, um, th just to respect the family of God when we come into worship. And what do I mean by that? Um, you know, again, worship is the area where there's lots of preference, and maybe there's a song that you really like, and so you just sing like crazy, and then the next song comes along, and you're just like, meh, meh, you know, not singing, really, because you don't really get into this song, and I think to respect the family is to say, you know what, I'm not really into this song, but my neighbor might be, and so I'm going to sing out, um, because I'm part of a family, and it's not just about my preference, it's, it's about honoring God together. And I could be an encouragement to this neighbor because I'm going to sing out. And so uh, I just want to encourage us to do that, to, to respect the family. So those are some encourages for, encouragements for us. I think we're going to go to a new level in worship, and, and God has something that he's doing with us that's really special, and Miguel is a big part of that. So I'm going to finish up, and we're going to just sort of commission you with prayer. So why don't you stand up, and I'll stand up, and uh, let's pray together for Miguel. Lord, uh, we come to you uh, under the banner of Christ, and we thank you for what you do in our lives. We thank you for what you've done in Miguel's life. You have brought him to this place, and it's been beautiful and wonderful and difficult at times, and yet uh, you have gotten glory uh, out of it. And so we thank you for that. We, uh, we ask that you would continue this wonderful work you're doing in Miguel. Um, I pray for his heart over this next season, most importantly, that it would remain supple in your hands and soft towards you, and that he would be ever led by you. I pray for his soul, Lord, that you would fill his soul with the wonders of your glories, and that that would spill out into this congregation as he draws our attention to your splendor and majesty, and as we seek to worship you together. I pray for his strength, Lord. Um, he's looking for another job. He's looking for a place to live in this area. Um, it takes a lot of effort to do that. He's going to be leading worship and building teams and discipling people, and he's going to need your strength working inside of him. And I pray for his mind, Lord. He'll be, uh, Lord willing, in seminary during this time as well, continuing seminary that he's already started, growing in his mind, his understanding of you, what it means to be a worship leader. And I pray that your hand would be upon him. I pray your hand would be upon us as a congregation that we would honor you with excellence in worship and, and sincerity and truth and spirit, and that you would be glorified week after week in this place as we gather together to sing your praises in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.